On this episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be talking about return stacking. Usual disclaimer before we start, I'm not a financial advisor, so everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, so return stacking, this is um, basically taking the concept that I went over in episode 15, which was the episode about, you know, how to beat the market every year and just kind of generalizing that concept. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, um, I would suggest going ahead and listening to that first. But um, the idea, remember, was I was suggesting using a kind of core equity um, portfolio. And because of portfolio margining, you know, the ETFs, for example, take very little margin and you can run an option strategy on top as sort of your alpha or outperformance piece. Right. And that's basically a form of return stacking because we're taking the return from the market and just stacking the return from the options on top of that, almost kind of treating them as as multiple strategies in parallel. <clears throat> so kind of the, the idea is, you know, you've heard the concept um, or the idea of uh, trading around your core. You know, for example, if you have a core, you know, SPY, you know, position and you sell covered calls against it or, or do some kind of scalping, you know, based on what the market does, right? You, you don't go and sell your, stock for example you know that's kind of a buy and hold but you may do some small positions small trades around it based on what the market does right so that's kind of trading around the core but what i'm talking about in terms of returns tracking is really having almost multiple cores or multiple core um, strategies let's say right and basically this is another ensemble approach right for you know back when i was doing the the two to three DTE the seven DTE and the forty five plus DTE I mentioned you know and I had the episode on the ensemble approach and th- the idea is that you may have multiple approaches or multiple strategies that basically all work right they all have positive positive expectancy but because uh, you know strategies can go in and out of favor there's periods of time where one does better than the other and vice versa so um, Really, all this is kind of related, right? So I'm just taking this approach. And um, so I've, you know, like I said, I've asked the 2 to 3 and the 7 DTE um, for the time being because of, um, I've, I've talked about right now, I just want a way to kind of have the the black swan hedge managed, which I haven't found a way yet. But in this case, in terms of kind of whole strategies as um, the multiple core approach, for example, um, in episode 15, we talked about using a full, fully invested, you know, stock index portfolio. Now, remember, you don't have to take that's sort of an extreme example where I wanted to just basically pin my base return to what the market did and only, you know, increment options return on top of that, you know, a little bit, you know, three, four or five percent, for example. But there's different approaches and kind of different allocations that you can kind of tailor this. And, and this is why I'm saying I'm generalizing that concept. Now, one thing I want to point out, you know, uh, part of the reason that this topic came to mind was lately with the Trinity system and with the Theta engine, you know, it's been so successful. And this is obviously not a bad thing, but I think sometimes um, it may kind of be lost the fact that there is in fact risk, right? Even with a strategy like this, 
because I routinely go on to the spreadsheet, the risk calculator, and I'll see someone plug in a targeted return of, you know, 20%, 30%, 50%, right? And of course, the chart looks insane because you're making, you know, 40 or 50% annualized return. And then after 15 years, 16 years, you're making like a thousand percent or whatever it is, right? But I don't know that people are focusing on the drawdowns, you know, the max drawdown, the individual year drawdowns. And even if you do, you see them, unless you've traded through that, that's just a number, right? All, all you're focusing on maybe is just, oh, I'm going to make 10,000% after 10 years, right? But you're ignoring that, hey, you might have a 40% drawdown on, you know, year X, right? So I want to make people realize that as, as solid as something like the Trinity system is, it's not perfect, right? There is a potential for loss, right? And so you don't have to take something like that and make it your entire portfolio, right? Again, going back to, I don't necessarily think it's a good idea to try and target 20, 30% all on that one strategy. Now you could, as long as you're fully aware of the risk, right? But let's just say, for example, you want to take, you know, 25%. Honestly, like anything above 25%, I, I feel like it's hard to be sustainable for the majority of people. So I'll just kind of use 25% as sort of the top line, you know, maximum that, you know, I might recommend normally, right? So let's say you want to make 25%. And so you could say, hey, I want to just allocate maybe, you know, 8%, 7% of my target return <clears throat> from the theta engine. Right. So you would size that appropriately, you know, go through the risk calculator, do your credit target, whatever. All right. So if you're trying to make 25 percent and let's say I have 8 percent I'm targeting from the data engine. So the remainder is sorry. Let's say I'm trying to make 25 percent and I'm targeting 8 percent from the data engine. So the remainder is 17 percent. So let's say I want to do, you know, some passive returns and I'm going to do a buy and hold. Right. So, you know, you take that approach and you, know, you can either fully allocated in SPY or index funds or whatever you think has a good long-term expectancy. So let's say, and obviously with buy and hold, you don't really know what the return is going to be. Now, super long-term, you know, if you're including kind of the crash years, you're going to say maybe it's like 6%, right? Obviously, if you look at the the last decade, it's more like 20% analyzed because the market just been going like crazy. Let, let's just call it for sake of example, 10%. Okay. So, uh, we have 70% left that we're trying to make cause we're, we're allocating 8% to the, the, the Trinity and the theta engine 10% from buy and hold. Right. So that leaves 7%, right? So before I go on, I, I know, of course you're going to be saying, well, aren't you just doing already to allocate, you know, two correlated strategies, right? <laughs> buy and hold, which is, you know, the, you know, bullish by default and the theta engine, which is, uh, by definition, a strategy that benefits from a bull market or, you know, generally market that's going up. So yes, those two are correlated, but they don't necessarily or theta engine and Trinity doesn't necessarily have a high beta correlation may be high because yes, the majority of the time the market is up, you'll be up on a day with theta engine and vice versa. But if you keep the allocation small, 
and especially if you're targeting kind of a low return in the first place, you'll see that your daily beta, right? Because your delta exposure is going to be quite low. Um, in fact, the market could be, you know, on the on the small neutral days where the market's up or down less than, you know, 0.2%, right? Data engine may be flat to even positive, right? Now, of course, on the days the market's up a lot, right? Let's say the market's up 1%, you may only be up a quarter percent. But the on the flip side, if the market's down 1%, you may only be down a quarter percent, right? So I'm telling you, the correlation high is one thing, but really what you care about is the beta, okay? So I just want to touch on that. So going back to that example, so you have 25% target return, you know, say, let's call it 8% from Trinity, 10% from buy and hold, remaining, you know, 7%, that could be, you know, just whatever else that you decide that you want to try. Maybe you want to do zero DTE, or maybe, you know, before running across my podcast and the Trinity and all that, maybe you day traded futures. Or you just did some other strategy, you know, you're trading tasty trade approach, whatever it is, right? But now that lets you kind of cut that down to a smaller chunk, right? So if you're only trying to make, you know, 7% from that third strategy, right? It just makes it really takes this approach, right? This this goal of 25% and it breaks it into kind of very manageable, distinct pieces that you're kind of running in parallel. <clears throat> now, I want to be clear on something. We're not trying to overcomplicate things, right? This is, uh, in essence, just a, a kind of a strategic diversification. But when I say that, I don't mean to run multiple super complicated things like you're gonna do, you know, a broken wing butterfly strategy. You're gonna do like an iron condor strategy. You're gonna do a calendar strategy. At the end of the day, you still want to keep things simple because, look, of those three things I just mentioned, for example, right? Buy and hold passive you don't do anything you just buy it and hold it right so there's nothing to do so that's basically autopilot right the trinity system as i've discussed especially in that workflow episode is is almost like autopilot as well at least from the trading perspective right the physical trading is not very time intensive now you might spend a lot of time after hours studying or logging or you know doing whatever but the physical trade time for those two pieces is very very negligible right so if that leaves you to focus on the third piece whatever it is you know your day trading or zero dte um then i think that's still manageable right you don't want to put three super complicated things because then you're just going to lose track of stuff and i'm talking about like in this case two or three things at most right like you know in episode 15 where i was talking about just combining buy and hold only with the options that was only two things, right? So we still want to keep things simple, but really the mindset I'm just trying to get across is that number one, have a, a reasonable return target. And let's say it was 25%, 20%. And then even from that, you can break that into smaller chunks. And that almost makes it quote unquote easy, right? To hit, right? Cause you, like I said, buy and hold, Yes, who knows? We might have a crash next year and, you know, down 10%, whatever. But if you believe fundamentally that at least 6 7%, you can get long-term, right? The Kager rate, buy and hold, then you can do that easily with just buying stock and doing nothing, right? That That's kind of the long-term belief anyways. 
And then with the Trinity system and the Theta engine, you know, if you're only targeting 70%, you can scale that down, which lowers the potential drawdown from that piece. And then, you know, the third piece, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you know, if you're only targeting seven, eight percent a year, I mean, just imagine, like, if you really think about how small that size is, because people are here trying to do 30, 40, 50, 100 percent a year. So you trade huge and you have a blow up. But when you really think about it, if you're really only trying to make like seven percent a year on a particular strategy, you can afford to trade super small to the point where your losses on the day or on the week just are meaningless right like you don't even flinch and that's the whole point when you can trade so small that the emotions are just completely don't become a part of it um and on that note um going to touch on on the point where i talked about um you know mixing buy and hold with something like the trinity now i've addressed the issue about uh correlation and beta so as long as the beta is low I don't think you have to worry that those two are inherently correlated strategies. But there was one other point of like, why even bother doing buy and hold? Because as we know, buy and hold is very subjective uh, to basically what the market does, right? You, you have really no control. It's not really a strategic kind of play, so to speak. <laughs> You're really just praying that the market goes up, right? So why even do it? Th there are some advantages. I mean, for one, there's some tax advantage because that portion of the return from your you know, portfolio and let, until you sell out, which could be in 20, 30 years, right? You're not going to get taxed on that portion of your return, so to speak, right? Then that, that cannot be ignored, right? That clearly has implications because depending on your tax rate, right? 12% or 10% return from buy and hold, which is unrealized, you got to make like 12% with active trading, to get the same return after tax. So there is almost like a tax incentive to buy and hold. And also there's the idea of leverage because I've said this before with options trading, you really need leverage, either actual leverage or synthetic leverage from spreads in order to create meaningful positive expectancy and have like actually a reasonable return for the time you spend. But with the stock market and just equities in general, again, this is, not everyone might believe this, but it's been shown that, you know, at least from a long term, that's the one thing where you can have a positive expectancy without the need for leverage. And the point I'm trying to make is if you were trying to make a large return from options, you're necessarily going to need more leverage. Now, yes, we have risk management and yes, we have the stop loss and all that, but to what degree it's always still good practice just to kind of cap the leverage. Like once you start going over four or five X notional, it just gets a little scary because you just never know if there, it, yes, we have a black swan hedge, but at the same time, you know, we've always said, we don't know how a crash is going to happen, when it's going to happen, will your hedge even work. So it, there's just, you don't know what you don't know, right? So if you can implement some, you know, some portion of your strategy that, doesn't require so much on the leverage and doesn't have that inherent black swan risk built in. Um, because, for example, with, with stocks, you can afford to basically just not do anything, right? Because if it's not leveraged, you can't blow up, right? With options, you know, that's why we have a stop loss. Even with something like the Theta engine with the, you know, the low, with the long DT and the low gamma, 
at some point you have to cut risk or you can't afford to not do anything. But with that passive portion of your portfolio, just hold it. And if you have the belief that over some number of years, it's going to come back, you know, at least you're not going to blow up. Right um, now, one thing I do want to mention, obviously, if you're going to use the equity piece as one of those um, portion of your portfolio, remember, if you're leveraging the portfolio margin, the equity does so the, the actual buying power used and the buying power available is directly tied to the equity right because you, it's your stock that's marginable so if you're going to have a significant allocation to equities you do it would behoove you to carry some kind of tail hedge even though i've said you can kind of just hold on you know forever until it comes back you have to mind the margin impact to your portfolio because that affects how much you can size your other strategies for example right so you you may want to have some kind of tail hedge just to you know either prop up the margin or at least um alleviate some of the potential drawdown because that will kind of that margin effect will bleed over and affect your other strategies if you have a significant equity allocation and there is some kind of huge you know drawdown and sell-off in the market and on that note in episode 15 i use this specific example which i'm doing of just 100 percent allocated in equities right because i mentioned you're going to still have 85 percent margin remaining to use and i said i'm just going to buy and hold and not do anything and remember you don't have to follow that exact approach you know you could do some kind of blended so the, the core portfolio or that piece of your strategy it doesn't have to be straight equity, right? If you want to do some kind of stocks and bond blend or TLT or use some kind of momentum or timing system to get in and out, like I don't do any of that just because for me, it's just simpler and I I have more conviction and not having to do anything. But I'm sure there's been plenty of models out there and you know people follow them where you can have that equity piece, but cut out some of the potential drawdown. You may cut down some of the potential long-term gain but again if you can cut down on the drawdown there's always a benefit there right so again just kind of to wrap up everything the idea here is to just generally speaking you know you don't have to load all your in fact i don't think you should load all your eggs in one basket even if you have a particular strategy that you think is really good case in point you know theta engine trinity system this year has been just you know running really hot you know 94 95 percent win rate depending on the configuration you're probably getting like 50 60 percent premium capture so you you just but you know you don't want to get lulled into this false sense of security and assume that it's going to always be that good now long term it may but you know there's going to be sometimes or there should be at least sometimes where that strategy is going to have some loss it's going to have some drawdown so i kind of want to just let people know that there are other approaches out there that work and if you can kind of just keep them in balance um that may be better just for the overall for your mentality right because when one thing doesn't work something else kind of picks up um and i think it just serves to smooth out the volatility again it's always about that you know risk management and one last point is it you do need some capital and margin efficiency i mean if you have a small account then I think you have other problems like you 
you know, for one thing, you just you might not even be able to run some of these strategies, right? So you do need a decent amount of capital before you start kind of thinking this high level. Um, because for example, uh, with the portfolio margin, or if you don't have it, then the equity is going to eat up a lot of the margin and you, don't, you won't even be able to run other strategies on top of it, right? And the other thing is like for something like the Theta Engine, which is kind of based on that credit targeting, which we've talked about a lot, if your account's too small, if you're allocating too too little to it, then your credit target becomes very small. So it's kind of hard to fit it to whatever product you're trading. Now, obviously with MES, you have some more flexibility, but um, if you're already small enough where you have to trade MES, and then you try to say, oh, I only want to target you know, 7% or 5%, that may just really shrink your credit target where it just doesn't fit anything. So there is sort of a limiting factor on how at least as a baseline, how much capital you need to start thinking about trying to stack returns and stack strategies. Um, but I think once you do get to that point where you can implement that as kind of another tool and just another way of approaching portfolio construction, um, I think there's something there that can go a long way towards smoothing it out and giving you that really consistent kind of long-term performance, okay? So let's leave it there. And um, as always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the episode. You can also visit my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com where you'll find all of the strategy mechanics and trade logs as well as various essays that I've written and other podcasts I recommend. Finally, you can also follow me on Twitter at TheTradeBuster. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.